Come on, give somebody a, an air high five and say, you look good today. You smell good today. Thanks, team. What an awesome time of worship. Jesus, I love you. Mm, we could sing that all day. Feels good to be in the presence of the Lord, huh? Every single Sunday, I'm like, man, there's nowhere else I'd rather be on the planet Earth than here in worship and in God's presence. And, uh, man, I'm so excited to be here today. You guys, we have an incredible privilege and honor and opportunity to hear from one of my absolute favorite people on planet Earth, despite the fact he's Canadian. We will not hold that against them because in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek nor male nor female, right? I'm just teasing. But we have uh, some very special guests here with us today, Pastor Jeff and Karen Wells. And uh, they are some dear friends of ours, and they are also overseers of our church. So Pastor Jeff is one of the people that can actually fire me. And so we want to give him our, our uh, most warm welcome. Everybody be on your best behavior today. Please, please be on your best behavior. But in all seriousness, Pastor Jeff and Karen, they pastor uh, Rock Point Church in Newburgh. And Bethany and I, we honor you guys. We love you guys. They have been such a tremendous blessing in our life have spoken so much encouragement, uh, challenge, direction, uh, accountability. Um, these guys are the, the real meal deal in every single way, and we honor them. Just We, we want to be like them uh, in our lives personally as pastors and leaders, and so we're blessed to get to hear from Pastor Jeff this morning. So Pastor Jeff, come on up, and he's going to bring the fire. Love you. Thank you, Jake. Pastor Jake is one wonderful pastor, isn't he? And Pastor Bethany, they are awesome. They are just uh, tremendous people. Jake is one of the best uh, communicators that, who are out there right now. And you don't know the treasure that you do have in uh, Pastor Jake and just the word that he brings. And uh, just an honor to be here in the new building. Hey, it's looking good, people. It's coming along. Way to go. And uh, just uh, praise the Lord. Uh, for that, uh, I do have my wife, uh, Karen, with me. Karen, would you just uh, stand? And uh, here she is. She is standing. And, uh, you know, she's an American. I'm Canadian, but she loves me anyways, right? So uh, we met at Portland Bible College a number of years ago. We went up to my, our home, my home church, which was up in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, for 20 years. And then we were asked to come and pastor down in Newburgh for uh, the last 14. We have four children, a boy, girl, boy, girl, and, and they're, they're adult children and uh, scattered abroad all over the place, but uh, we love them and they love us. All right. Hey, it's also, uh, I want to say hi from Pastor Thomas and Melissa West, who are with us. They're with you guys for one year, and uh, they, they want to say hi, and uh, they're doing an unbelievable job uh, with our youth and our young adults. They're just fabulous, and they're just a, a blessing to uh, rock. Church in Newburgh, and it's just, um, we honor them as well. All right, here, here we go. Uh, we're going to look at um, continuing the, the In the Name of Love series, and also Loving Your Neighbor. Um, my message today is called The Good Thing, and I want us just to read out of Acts 10, 38, and here we go. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. A hundred, um, 
743 times in the Bible and 256 times in the New Testament, you have this word good, to do good. And uh, what I really want to challenge everybody here today is to do good. Jesus went about doing good. And, you know, we're not saved uh, by our works. You know, we're all saved. Uh, everyone here, um, when you come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, through his grace, his unmerited kindness and love that he has for every one of us. He, he reaches, he extends himself down to every one of us. He beckons, he calls, he woos, he loves. He draws us into relationship with him. It is by his grace we are saved. Everybody give me a big amen on that one, all right? But we are created for good works. And let me give you a good uh, C.S. Lewis quote. Every sermon should have a C.S. Lewis quote. So th this is my C.S. Lewis quote. Here it is. Uh, the Christian is in a different position from other people who are trying to be good. They hope by being good to please God if there is one. Or if they think there is not, at least they hope to deserve approval from good men. But the Christian thinks any good he does comes from the Christ life inside of him. He does not think God will love us because we are good, but that God will make us good because he loves us. And so there's this ongoing working of the Lord that is taking place in our life. In the, there's a book in the Bible, it's called the book of Titus. And it's a story where Paul's writing one of his pastors and uh, Titus is uh, been positioned in the island of Crete. And the island of Crete was in the, the center of the Mediterranean. And Paul, uh, designating this place, he says, hey, I want you to know something about the Cretans, okay? They are liars, they're lazy, and they're evil beasts. They're gluttons, and they're just well, wild people. And, and Paul just puts it like it is. He's just a straightforward kind of thinking. But hey, I don't really blame the Cretans. You know, if I lived in the middle of the Mediterranean, you know, I'd probably be pretty lazy and a glutton myself, you know. But Paul comes to them, and he says, hey, th th there's some things I just want us to target here. He says, what I want us, Titus, for you to do is I want you to start preaching the gospel, I want you to start planting some churches, and there's one thing I really want you to emphasize when you're, you're speaking to this culture. And how would you transform a culture that has absolutely no indication whatsoever of the gospel of Jesus Christ? What would you do? And what Paul says in a few verses here in Titus 1.8, he says, but be hospitable, lover of what is good. In Titus 2.7, he says, in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. And then he goes on in Titus 3.8, he says, this is a faithful saying, and these things I want to affirm constantly, that those who believed in God should be careful to maintain or be devoted to or be consistent in good works. And be, be, these things are good and profitable for uh, uh, to to men. And so he's saying, hey, I, I want you to have this ongoing, consistent pursuit in people's lives. He says, little by little, as you do a work in people's lives, they're going to be changed. And you, what, what is going to happen is there's going to be this slow push of the kingdom of God 
in people's lives, people who are dealing with arrogance, people who are dealing with uh, ambivalence to the, to the gospel of Jesus Christ, as you slowly push towards, you know, just how we pray, you know, we're always praying and we're asking the Lord, Lord, to change that person's life. There's something that is happening in the spiritual realm. Well, sometimes our prayers need to have feet. And, and as we begin also to push gently, in people's life with loving kindness, with unselfishness, with a demonstration of the love of God in people's hearts and lives, it turns the world upside down. And Paul is saying, hey, Titus, when you're in Crete, this is going to turn your world upside down. As if everybody can get onto the same page in loving their neighbor and begin to pursue doing good. Everybody would be just be consistent in everything, in doing good to, to one another. So there, there's some other verses that go out there that, that says, don't forget to do good and to share with those needs. Uh, these are sacrifices that God is pleased or pleases God. So, hey, God uh, loves it when we do good. And Romans 12, 21, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Hey, weaponize your Christianity by doing good. In Galatians 6.9, it says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Hey, there is something we will enjoy and uh, experiencing the harvest of just touching and expanding and blessing people's lives. You know, have you ever wondered um, why the Good Samaritan is considered good? Okay, because that in Luke 10, the, 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 when you look at the Good Samaritan, the word good is never used. It, in fact, it, so we have that story in Luke 10, and the situation is there's a, a person who is uh, beaten up on the road, alongside the road, and the priest comes by, the priest looks at him, and the priest goes by him. Okay, so this pastor, he had to get to church, he had to preach his message, and so he just walks on by. Well, then comes the Levite beside him, and, and he goes next to him, and he looks at him, and the worship leader, that's what a Levite was, he's like the worship leader, and he says, hey, I've got worship practice, i got to get to worship practice, and so he, he goes by him. Well, the good Samaritan, uh, the Samaritan comes by, and he's an outcast, he has nothing to do with these people, he stops. He puts the oil and the wine in there. He puts the person on his, his animal, his, his donkey, takes him to an inn. He pays for his care at the inn. And he says, hey, if there's anything afterwards, uh, I'll come and I'll pay that as well. And he says, I will do that. See, what the good Samaritan did, and in that story in Luke 12, there's actually 12 verbs that he does. He does good. And 12 times he does, he takes this individual who is from a broken, hurt, painful situation, and he does everything to bring him to a place of healing, of health, and of hope in his life. He, he does everything in his being to take that individual. And I, I, just, I just want you to ask and just look into your life right now of who in, in your life who has the Lord placed in your life right now that 
hey, how can I touch this individual and move this person who's, who's in a place of brokenness into a place of healing and hope into the life? Okay, how can I consistently work in, on, on my neighbor? You know, just the other day, I was um, my neighbor's mother fell, and uh, she broke her hip on his, her, his steps. And she was out there by the, the garage that she was at, and I just happened to be out there. And, you know, I can't fix anything. I'm not a doctor or anything like this. Like, she's already in the wheelchair and already had the doctors look at her. But what I can do is I can go over to her and I can pray for her. And so I say, hey, I'll go over there and I'll pray for her. And I pray for her. Other people, hey, you can, you can make that good lasagna and you could take it over to that family. You can do, uh, maybe fix that car or do whatever. But it's the consistent, ongoing love and kindness where you break down our selfish tendencies just to not be inconvenienced, not to go to a place where we're uncomfortable, where our time and our energy is used all for the purposes of not just ourselves, but for others. And there needs to be that breaking in, in our hearts uh, where, where, where we do this. And I want to read another verse to you here uh, right now. Luke 1, uh, 1 to 4 says these words. It says, as much as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who are from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us. It seemed good to me, also having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, or friend of God, that you may know certainty of these things in which you were instructed. And what we have here in Luke 1 is we have the preamble to the Gospel of Luke. Okay, and so Luke is about to write the, the verse, and, it's, and you just want to ask the question, Luke, how did you write the, uh, how did you write the gospel of Luke? Was it all of a sudden there was a purple haze, you know, all around him? All of a sudden these clouds and the scrolls rolled back, and all of a sudden there was angels singing, oh, you know, and all of a sudden there was the, the audible voice of God, Luke, I'm your father, you know, and he begins to speak the word of the Lord to him, and he begins to write it down. Uh, Luke, no, hey, we know doctors don't have good handwriting. You know, how in the world did you write this thing? And Luke says, well, it, it was none of those things. It, it just seemed good to me. It seemed good to me, you know. My, um, you know, Mark had written some some of it already, and I, I heard some other stories from eyewitnesses. Mary was still alive, and I got I got some eyewitnesses reports of the birth narrative of what happened there, and I compiled it and I put it together. And sometimes we 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 just want to throw it into all divine sovereignty, and what God is saying, hey, there's some stuff. I want you to do that is human responsibility that every one of us needs to take a hold of in our own personal life. And what, what happened here was this God thing, you know, that we think, and sometimes we're waiting for that. Just God, give me that God thing, that God moment. 
And what God is saying here is, and I want to put up this phrase, God is asking us to start doing good. It says, hey, when you start doing good, God gets into your goodness and your good work, your good action, your good thought, your good idea, your good choice, your good decision, your good move, and that good thing becomes a God thing. Do you hear that? That God, the God thing doesn't begin a God thing, but it starts as a good thing. You know, for, for Luke, other people had written verses on the Bible. But he, here he, he's saying, okay, I'm going to write this too, but I believe that there's, I, I have something for, the, uh, for the, the Greek culture, not just the Roman culture, not just for the Hebrews like Matthew, but I have something here I want to present here, and I've got these thoughts, and so I'm going to do this. And, you know, there, there's been churches that have been started there's books that have been written. There's songs that have been written. There's podcasts that have been done. Businesses have been started all around the world. But there may be something that good that the Lord puts into your heart. And what he's telling you is go for it. Begin to put your energy, your strength into that good thing and see if God breathes on it to make it a God thing. You, you, you may have a business that God wants you to start. He might, you might have some songs you need to write, a book that needs to be written, a church that needs to be started. And God has placed that within you, and he says, go for it. And there, see, what can happen in our heart is there can become this analysis of paralysis. And we just want to get into the perfectionism of things. And if it's just not right, if God just doesn't do everything itself, set up everything right, then I will not do it. Well, God wants to move us out of that hesitation in our life and begin to say, hey, I am going to do, hey, there might be a ministry that is birthed in your heart for single mothers or for, uh, for the homeless or for some situation out there that God has just been stirring in your heart to do, but you just need to begin doing little by little and becoming this force for good and begin to see that God will touch it, he'll favor it, he'll put his blessing on it, and you need, you need to move out of yourself into selflessness and, and touching and blessing others for the kingdom of God. A good thing can become a God thing, but it becomes a good, it's a good thing first. Somebody give me an amen on that one. You know, my wife Karen here, uh, she, she lived in uh, her uh, early years, she lived in uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana. And in Fort Wayne, Indiana, she her mom and family, they, they lived there, sister and brother. And one day, into her neighborhood, uh, to a park area there, there was a Lutheran church. And this Lutheran church was a very evangelical, evangelistic Lutheran church. And what they were doing was running a children's ministry where, into these, these park areas. And so they would come and they, they would do, you know, the face painting, the balloons, having some fun, some games with, it, with the kids and everything. And then at the end, they had a ventriloquist. And the ventriloquist would tell the gospel story. And the ventriloquist, it would go like this, okay? Ooh, 
talking to another, another puppet, two puppets, okay? Oh, have you ever asked Jesus into your heart? No, I have never done that before. I can't do it with the, no lips, you know, but, you know. Oh, but uh, let me tell you how you can ask Jesus into your heart. You just got to ask him, forgive you of your sin, and then he comes and he lives inside of you. Would you like to do that? Oh, yeah, I think I would like to ask Jesus into my heart, okay? Maybe there's some of the little girls, boys and girls that are out there, would like to ask their Jesus into their life. Is there anyone? And two little girls raise their hand. And one of them was my sister-in-law. And one of them was my future wife. You know, number one, any dummy can lead somebody to the Lord, okay? <laughs> number two, <laughs> the evangelical, the, what that church did, it was a good thing. It was a good thing. But what happened in Karen's life that day was a God thing. They, they, they didn't know that it was going to become a God thing. They prayed that it would become a God thing, but they put a lot of energy, time, money, and everything, that church. Boom. Come on. My wife is here today because of some people in Fort Wayne, Indiana, decided to get out of their comfort zone. My dad... Um, he served as a bookkeeper for a church for uh, 46 years. He, same church. And he, you know, the, you know, in Ministers Fellowship International, the network of pastors we belong, Mark Harpham is actually a legend, okay? You know, he's actually a great man of God, you know? My dad was similar to, to Mark, you know? And, um, but my dad, for the first 20-some years of his life, maybe even up to 30, he wasn't a Christian. In fact, he came from a pretty rough home. His dad was an alcoholic. His dad had been in World War I, and he had uh, been in, uh, lost a couple young kids in, in, in childhood and just became an alcoholic. And my dad grew up in that kind of environment. And somewhere along the way, he met my mother, and they got married and ended up having five kids, and I'm the youngest of the five, you know, that, that were there. But he wasn't a, a Christian when my, he became, uh, a, he got saved. And or he, he, he wasn't a Christian when, he, he, when I was born, okay? So my, my aunt would get on his case always, uh, again and again and again, and just saying, Ralph, you need, you need to get those five kids to church. You know, they, my aunt and uncle were driving my, my brothers and sisters to church, and you, you got to get those kids into church, and just hounding him sort of, you know, like, you know, just on his case, a little pressing, a little pushing, just want to let it go, go. And finally, my dad goes to church, Okay. And he goes to this church, and you know what? He actually enjoys going to the church. And he gets in there and uh, starts liking it. Well, this church uh, did the singing Christmas tree. Well, the singing tr Christmas tree was sort of the pre-helicopter dropping of the 
of Easter eggs, okay? And, uh, you know, there, there would be, they'd build this big singing Christmas tree. There'd be about 50 to 75 choir members on this Christmas tree. Is a wooden structure that would be built up, and then they would sing Christmas carols, and there'd be a nativity play sort of kind of going on at the same time. How many have ever seen a singing Christmas tree? Okay, I see those seven hands. Okay, but anyways... One, one day at church, the pastor says these words. He says, hey, is there anyone here who, who would volunteer just to help with the singing Christmas tree and set it up? On that day, my dad raises his hands in church, okay? And what he did at that point, he's, it wasn't... I'm just signing up to build the tree. What he did at that moment, he said, hey, I'm all in. I, I am going to serve Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask him to forgive me my sin, come into my life. And from that point on, 46 years doing church books because something impacted his life so you think of a Christmas tree, which are just about obsolete now, a good thing becomes a, it becomes a God thing. And God begins to breathe in it. And lives are changed and transformed. Neighborhoods are changed. Cities are changed. Why? Because the church of Jesus Christ activated itself and said, I am fully in. I am engaging my community. I am loving my neighbor. I am pouring out my heart and spirit to, to see transformation in our city. Love your neighbor as yourself. A good thing, becoming a God thing. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you today. Wow. There's a couple of things I really love about Jeff. Number one, that was an amazing word. Number two, he got us out on time today. He said, how much time do I have, Pastor Jake? And he watched my sermon last week, and he goes, I think you preached for like 45 or 50 minutes. And I was like, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> how many of you are absolutely challenged by that today? A good thing becomes a God thing. I was like sitting there taking notes and just thinking through the examples that we've already seen in our church over the years. But even what we're doing here in this building project, you know, as you look at this project taking place, uh, many of you know this, that our vision and goal long-term is to actually have uh, an indoor kids playground in that space behind this wall here. Did you know that? That's awesome. I appreciate that responsiveness today. That's incredible. <laughs> the same seven people that knew about the singing Christmas tree were the... Um, why? What, what, what does that come from? It comes from that a good thing becomes a God thing. And how many of you right now would just say, okay, maybe... I'm a little bit nervous. You don't have to raise your hand. This is, uh, this is you can if you want, but <clears throat> maybe I'm a little bit nervous about having a group in my home, or I'm a little bit nervous about speaking a message, or I'm a little bit nervous about talking to my neighbor, but I could easily do something at a lower level in your mind, right? Something that maybe doesn't seem like a big deal, like 
We had a neighbor yesterday that <clears throat> we noticed. He's a Christian. We, we know them, and they go to another church in town. They're wonderful people. They were helping another one of our neighbors with their yard work. He had taken his truck and, and uh, helped the guy pick up bark mulch or whatever they were doing, and I was like, that's good. Good neighboring right there, you know? Really good. I don't do any nice things for my neighbors, but I was excited to see. No, I'm just kidding. Bethany and I, a couple of... Uh, a couple times, uh, we did this, um, I think two years ago, maybe three years ago, we had a neighborhood little Easter egg hunt and invited the neighborhood kids to come, you know, and their parents to come to our yard and just, you know, maybe we spent 10 or $15 to buy some candy and some Dollar Tree prizes and put them in Easter eggs. And what were we trying to do? Just good things because they turn into God things. Those little conversations that take place as you're helping someone, serving someone, being kind to someone, they go, it opens up these opportunities for the gospel to, to be shared. So how many of you are challenged by that today? I know I am. I'm like, Lord, help, help me to just think good, not think Jake, not think what's my agenda today, not think what's my, my checklist today, but what are the good things I can do because those can turn into God things. So good. Would you just uh, raise your hands and, 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 and pray this with me? Father, we just invite you to, to work in our hearts this word. Lord, we respond today as your people, we respond as disciples, Lord, that we want to do the good things that you've prepared for us long ago. And Lord, sometimes we think these massive, big, destiny-defining, life-changing moments, but oftentimes those good things are small, seemingly, apparently insignificant, but they make a great impact. Lord, help us be that church that has puppets in a park that sees people saved because we're willing to step out of our comfort zone. Help us be, Lord, those, those moments that... that doing those good things that people can connect and go, I, I see God in this. I, I feel his love. I feel his presence. We want to be your hands and feet, Lord. And we want to do the small things so that you can do great things. Lord, we, we want to be your hands and feet in our community and do the good things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and keep your, your head bowed and your eyes closed. This morning, I just want to make an invitation. Every single week, people come to church looking for answers, looking for hope, looking for life, looking for a new direction in life. And the answer is to give your life to Jesus. The answer to fulfillment, the answer to the questions of your soul is to start a relationship with Jesus Christ and to trust him as your Lord and Savior. The gospel is a very simple and yet utterly powerful message, which is that every one of us is separated from our loving creator because of our sin. And we've been both the the victimizer and the victim of sin and death and destruction in our world. But God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would have everlasting life. And today that is the opportunity and the offer that is on the table for each and every one of us that if we would trust in Jesus and trust the work that he did at the cross, he gave his life for, for you and for me. He paid for our sins and he made a way for us to be reconciled with God. And if we would make that decision to follow Jesus and receive what he did for us. He invites us to be his disciple, to be his follower. He invites us into God's family. <clears throat> he forgives us of our sin and he gives us a brand new life. <clears throat> if that's you today, you say, Pastor Jake, <clears throat> I want to make that decision to follow Jesus. I want to put my faith and trust in him. Would you just raise your hand so I can see? Thank you so much. That's awesome. Pastor Jake, I want to trust in Jesus for real, not just religion, not just something fake, but for real. I want to put my faith and trust in Christ. Just raise your hand so I can see. 
right now in this moment. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Awesome, awesome. Let's pray this prayer together. Go ahead and pray it with me and we're all gonna pray together and then we'll give you a, a next step to take in just a moment. Dear Jesus, I confess my sin to you. I know that I have not lived up to your standard, but I thank you for your grace and mercy revealed to me at the cross where you gave your life for me and made a way for me to be reconciled with God. I put my faith and trust in you and in you alone. Give me the grace to follow you the rest of my days. Thank you for saving me in Jesus name. Amen.